A person's last words are important. I still remember the last time I saw my dad. I was 24 years old, visiting after my semester of grad school had ended. It was May, a nice Indiana day where we enjoyed a short walk in our old yard and a simple meal together for lunch. We discussed a lot of things, most of which I no longer remember, but when I was preparing to leave, we hugged and both said, I love you. I didn't know he would pass away four days later, though he seemed to recognize his end was near. I'm so thankful our last words to one another were words of love, words I can remember in a good way. Why? Because last words matter. Today we celebrate Good Friday, a tradition reflecting upon the death of our Savior Jesus Christ. And in the Christian tradition, we look at the ways the death of Jesus has impacted our life. And we do it by looking at his last words because they are important. The concept of reflecting on the seven last words of Jesus from the cross is not new to me. I mean, many have used these same verses over the years. But I hope and pray that as we look together at these words, that you will recognize once again how much Jesus loves you. So let's look at these, shall we? The first of the seven last words Jesus gave from the cross is found in Luke 23, verse 34. Luke 23, 34, Jesus said from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Let's look at this a moment. Who did he talk to? Jesus spoke to the Father. What did he ask the Father? For the forgiveness of his enemies. Notice also some of the things Jesus did not ask for. First, Jesus did not ask forgiveness for himself. He didn't need to. He was sinless. Second, Jesus also did not ask for a quick, painless death. He knew his purpose for dying on the cross. It was part of God's plan. And then third, Jesus did not ask God for vengeance on the people who sentenced him to death. Instead, he prayed on their behalf. Even in his torment, Jesus forgave those who tormented him. He cared for those who did not have his love. This is a great application of the first cry from the cross. If Jesus could forgive those who hurt him, he can forgive us of our sins and give us strength to forgive others. Let me ask you, are you carrying guilt in your own life? The German pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer once said, guilt is an idol some people refuse to give up. Jesus has already paid for your sins and for mine. We only need to confess them. But are you withholding forgiveness from someone who has hurt you? For example, sometimes a person will cut me off on the highway and it makes me so angry and in my mind, I'm thinking of things I would like to say to that person or how I could get even. But the other person usually has no idea of what he has done. They're going about their life without any concern for something that I continue to stay angry about. Now, the same is often true when it comes to forgiving others. The other person usually is going about life without any concern. So why do we let ourselves be the ones controlled by someone else's actions? Let's forgive just like Jesus and live without holding a grudge against someone else. That's the message of the first statement from the cross. But the second of the last words of Jesus is also found in Luke, and it's the statement found in Luke 23, 43. It's a precious word. It says, I tell you the truth. Today, you will be with me in paradise. 
And the passage shares these words starting in verse 39. The text reads, One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you were under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. In one of his final conversations, Jesus offered eternal life. Two criminals hung on the crosses to his right and to his left. And at first, both mocked Jesus. Yet one soon realized two things, that first he was about to die, and that second, maybe Jesus could help. Yet this man could not use his hands and feet to help others. He was nailed to a cross. He could not even be baptized. He could not serve in the church. He could not share his faith in any way. Yet his example has helped lead countless people to faith in Christ. Think about it. For every last second conversion and every death row prayer, the man on the cross is the story that represents their story. For me, it reminds me that no matter how long a person waits to accept Christ, it is not too late. On one occasion, I've seen an 80-year-old woman be baptized. On another occasion, I saw a 90-year-old great-grandmother pray to receive Christ. We don't want to wait until it's too late, but we can pray and share Christ with others up until their final breath. One friend of mine shared Jesus with her brother for years with no success. When he was diagnosed with terminal cancer, she traveled to the hospital again, only to hear the message rejected once more. A few days later, a chaplain from the hospital met with her brother, and her brother finally prayed to believe in Jesus, passing away just a few days later. She prayed and shared until the final moment, and God found a way to get the message to her brother. As a result, she could experience the final conversations with her brother as a brother in Christ. If you haven't figured it out already, maybe the current pandemic in our world has reminded you of some things. For example, it reminds us that every day we will all die. But second, it also reminds us that Jesus can help us in our time of trouble. Whether you leave this world today or 100 years from now, you need to be ready to be in the place Jesus calls paradise. Good Friday is good because it gave us a way to have eternal life. Let me say that again. Good Friday is good because it gave us a way to have eternal life. If we look at the third of the last words of Jesus from the cross, they are found in John 19, 26 and 27. And this third statement is about Jesus and his mother, Mary. He said to his mother, dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. You know, the first two statements we looked at clearly revealed the divinity of Jesus. Jesus can forgive sin. Jesus can give eternal life. But this third statement reflects his humanity. As fully God and fully human, he cared for his mother, Mary. The woman who had carried him in her womb, nursed him as an infant, and raised him as a child now watched her son die in the most, bu in the most brutal way. Yet the apostle John was with her in her moment of need. Jesus loved Mary as both Savior and as her son. 
Likewise, Jesus cares for our soul and for our daily lives. Did you know that he cares about your quarantine situation, if that's where you are today, for your health and for your well-being? He cares about your finances, your diet, and even your sleep. And just as Jesus cares about the details and daily needs of our lives, he calls us to care for the needs of others. If someone in your home needs help, we are called to help them. If you can bring some non-perishable food items to church to help those in hunger, we are called to do it. I read a story this week that shared a great example of love and action. In Maryland, this anonymous mother has been leaving out hundreds of bagged lunches for her community during the coronavirus shutdowns. She leaves the healthy meals on a tent-sheltered table at a busy intersection in Savannah Park. Hanging from the table is a sign that reads, For anyone who needs it, I will be leaving some healthy sack lunches on this table for you if you're hungry and need to eat. Made with love by a neighborhood mom in a clean and sanitized kitchen. I love this idea. She didn't even leave her name to attract attention to herself. Her goal was simply to meet the needs of others, and in her case, many people she may never meet. We are called, just like Jesus was, to care for both eternal and temporary needs. Let's look at the fourth of Christ's final statements from the cross. This one is found in Matthew 27, 26. And it's in the form of a question. Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This prayer is actually a fulfillment of prophecy from Psalm 22. Connecting past with present, Jesus revealed his suffering was no surprise to God. In fact, we can look at Isaiah 53. It offers a long list of what would happen to the suffering servant Jesus, the Messiah. Verses 4 to 6 tell us, surely he bore Let me say that again. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. God did not really leave Jesus. Instead, these words echo the predictions of prophecy to reveal why Jesus died the way he did. Jesus did not suffer for his own glory. He suffered to show us his love. It reminds me of the words in Hebrew 13.5 that tell us, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Isn't it great that Jesus promises he will never leave us? This quote is taken from Joshua 1, where God promised Joshua he would be with him as he had been with Moses. Think about that. How had God been with Moses? He was with him before, during, and after his trials. He was with Moses from his birth, rescued him from death, and led Moses until God's plan and destiny were fulfilled in his life. Let me remind you today. You will remain alive as long as God has a plan for your life. In a sense, you are bulletproof until God's purposes are accomplished in your life. And of course, you may face much pain, but you will stay alive until the very moment God's final mission for you is completed. We should be careful of the pandemic that's going on around us and other problems as well, but we need not be fearful. God may seem to have forsaken us at times, but his plan is much greater and much better than we could ever know. 
This leads us to the fifth statement Jesus gave from the cross. It's from John 19, 28, and it's the shortest one of all. John 19, 28, Jesus said, I thirst. He has been under distress since sharing a meal with his followers the night before, and he was certainly thirsty, but there was much more involved in these two words. In the Old Testament, Psalm 69, 21 shows how this statement fulfilled another prophecy where the words say, for my thirst, they gave me sour wine to drink. And just as predicted, Jesus was given sour wine to drink there on the cross. We also see the full extent of his human suffering. Thirsty and likely dehydrated, he likely also needed a drink to be able to speak his final two statements from the cross. I mean, just yesterday, I took a run near my home and I forgot to take water with me. It took less than an hour for my body to crave a drink. And I was terribly thirsty by the end of the run. But imagine the thirst Jesus had in his humanity at that moment. He had endured hours of suffering without a drink. His thirst reminds us of his total commitment to God's will. I see many Christians who live for God, but not completely for God. They may serve God at 30% or 70%, but they are not completely devoted to the Lord. However, we are called to be like Isaiah who responded, Here am I, send me. As I've said before, we must be willing to go anywhere and do anything at any time for our Lord, just as Jesus did in his death upon the cross. This leads us to our sixth statement from the cross by Jesus that's found in Luke 23, 46. He said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. It has been said that Jesus was not a victim. He was a victor. Again, Jesus echoes the words of prophecy, this time from Psalm 31, 5. The statement, into your hands I commit my spirit, was not the end of his journey, but it would soon be the end of his pain. One thing I know from seeing people at the end of life is that there is a longing for heaven. Have you ever noticed that? That at a certain point of pain or of age, people would prefer to be with the Lord. The Apostle Paul even wrote that he preferred to be absent from the body and in the presence of the Lord. We will be ready to say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I am ready to go. Get me out of here. But we don't want to reach that point and look back with regret. The example of Jesus reminds us that our final moment should motivate us to live better during the rest of our moments. I don't want to stand before the Lord with regret. I want to bow before him knowing that despite my many imperfections and failures, I gave everything I had to live for my Lord. Let's take a moment to look at just this seventh and final statement found in John 19.30. John 19.30, Jesus simply says, it is finished. It is finished. When God's plan was completed in Christ, he left to return to the Father, and we will too. Jesus is often noted in John's gospel as finishing God's work. If you look at his prayer in John 17, 4, Jesus told the Father, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. His finished work included the cross. As I look at these words, I'm reminded of how many times I've looked at the problems in my life and have thought, I'm finished. I'm finished. Yet somehow God continues to make a way. Let me say this as strongly as I can, that God will not let me be finished 
until he is finished with me. God will not let me be finished until he is finished with me. And the same is true for you today. He will let you know when you are finished. We don't get to quit. We are called to endure, to stand firm, to follow the example of Jesus until the Lord calls us home. One of my favorite Bible passages recently has been Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Because after noticing the famous people of the faith, the focus returns to Jesus where the words say, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You know, if we look at the founder of our faith, Jesus Christ, what do we find in these words? First, I notice that Jesus endured pain. But second, he also endured shame. Third, he endured sinners. But fourth, he also experienced heaven. He ended up at the right hand of God. And if you know Christ, you will too. The application Hebrews gives us is that we do not grow weary and lose heart. I truly believe this is our application today as well. So many of us have grown weary. We're tired of the pressures around us or the pain around us or the people around us. We've prayed and prayed again, but the problems are still there. They are too big. But God's word to you today is to look to Jesus. Look at what he endured. If Jesus was willing to take on the cross for you and for me, can we hang in there a little longer? Can we endure one more day? If he could take the nails in his feet and hands, if he could take the crown upon his head and the beating upon his back, can't we fight for one more round? Can we press on for one more battle? Let me encourage you, we don't endure in our own strength. We endure in the strength of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of confusion taking place right now in our world. It reminds me of Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 that tells us, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways, are, excuse me, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. We may not understand the why, but we can know the who. The who is Jesus. We can know him, but only when we come to him at the cross. In Pastor Erwin Luther's book on the Christ and the cross, he writes these words. He says, no one can experience the eternal favor of God if they bypass the cross. The cross is the hinge upon which the door of history swings. It is the hub that holds the spokes of God's purposes in a grand unity. Let me, let me remind you in this moment, we need a Savior. If you've believed in him, you can use this moment to thank him for his forgiveness and to recommit to his mission. But if you're not sure about your faith in him, now is the moment to make sure. I want to conclude our time with a brief prayer. And first, I want to pray for anyone watching who may need to pray to believe in Jesus, that you would settle the matter right now, that you would not delay. And if you already know Christ, pray with me for those who are making their own decision right now. 
and in your own life. Take this time to commit your life to him once again. Let's pray together and we'll close our time. If you need to believe in Jesus, you can pray something like this with me right now. Dear Jesus, I believe you are God's son. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the dead to give me eternal life. I confess my wrongs and my sins. I trust in you alone to save me. Please give me the gift of eternal life. Help me to live for you from this moment forward. And for those of you who know the Lord and may want to rededicate yourself to him in a fresh way today, you can pray a prayer like this with me right now. And just say to the Lord, dear Jesus, I confess my sins. I want to live completely for you. I rededicate my life to you right now. Help me to trust in your strength and follow your ways. Thank you for dying on the cross to give me eternal life. And for all of us, Father, we love you and praise you for this time together. Help us to live with endurance, just as you showed through your son, Jesus. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining with me. And may God bless you on this Good Friday.